hackers have demonstrated how they can hack into medical devices, potentially compromising patient safety related to products ranging from heart devices to medication infusion pumps. So when it comes to these hacker threats facing medical devices, what's real and what type? I'm Marian Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with medical device cybersecurity expert, Dr. Kevin Fu, Associate Professor of the Electrical Engineering and Computer Science Department at the University of Michigan and co-founder and CEO of Verta Labs, a startup provider of security solutions for the healthcare sector. Kevin will discuss some of the latest cybersecurity threats facing medical devices as well as other clinical systems and devices in the healthcare sector. So, Kevin, just a few years ago, the healthcare sector was in denial that hackers would ever attack their organizations, but recent high-profile attacks, such as the Anthem breach last year, the DDoS attack on Boston Children's Hospital, and ransomware attacks on Hollywood Presbyterian and other hospitals, as well as a recent cyber attack on MedStar Health, have basically blown those beliefs up. With that said, how likely do you think it is that hackers will begin targeting medical devices? So far, the attacks involving medical devices have mostly involved demonstrations by ethical hackers in lab environments. I don't think we need to run for the hills pulling our hair out about hackers potentially breaking into hospitals. And the reason why, however, because it's not hard to break down an open door. You don't need to be a hacker to cause trouble. And my own opinion is that malware that reaches a hospital is reaching it not because it's a hospital, but just because it happens to be more susceptible. And also, of higher consequence, you're likely to hear about it. You're probably not going to hear about your neighbor whose email was wiped out by ransomware because that's not newsworthy. But ransomware in general is peaking up, and and therefore you're hearing about hospitals. Now, breaches do take a long time to be detected. Do you think it's possible that there have been attacks involving medical devices that haven't been detected yet because they haven't harmed patients in any noticeable way, but perhaps have affected other systems and data in an environment? Oh, certainly. So... There's different kinds of malware. There are thousands of different kinds. What's being reported right now, it's obvious when there's a break-in because your computer stops working. When ransomware breaks in, it encrypts your hard drive. But that's not the only kind of malware. Another common kind of malware hitting the retail sector, things that search computers for credit card numbers. And when they find them, they upload them to a command and control server, and then they sell those on the black market. There have been hotel chains, retailers, who have been infected with this kind of malware going through their systems for months, and they didn't realize it. So I would not be surprised if hospitals have this kind of malware and just don't realize it. Um, you might only sense, hmm, seems to be running a little slow today, or maybe you get some reports from an outside agency saying, why are you trying to um, break into my machine from this hospital? Maybe you're infected. So it's not as obvious that you're infected unless it does something destructive. In your opinion, what are healthcare organizations doing poorly in terms of preventing and detecting cyber attacks, not only potentially involving medical devices, but other clinical systems? So the healthcare sector is very diverse. There's some very progressive hospitals who are doing some of the uh, most advanced cybersecurity techniques. And and then there are others who um, maybe don't know where to turn. I would say the number one thing hospitals can be doing right now to improve their management of cybersecurity risk 
is to really get on their vendors about providing more meaningful security. So I've seen some of the better hospitals putting into their procurement language requirements having to do with keeping systems up to date in order to make these systems at all maintainable. Um, hospitals are really in a challenging situation because their job is to treat patients, keep the systems running, but they have to do so with the tools they can buy. And so if a medical device manufacturer or an IT services company provides a clunky tool, you can imagine how hard the life can be of an uh, IT person or a biomedical engineer if they have to use a, a frustrating tool. As I mentioned earlier, there's been these ethical hackers who have demonstrated how they can hack into medical devices like medication infusion pumps and potentially control these devices remotely. What's your feeling in terms of how realistic some of these demonstrations have been? Is this something that you think likely could happen? Is it more to sort of showcase some of the problems these devices have in terms of how they're designed? Or do you think that these sorts of more malicious and devious and hostile sort of attacks could very well happen? And what should organizations be doing to prevent this? So are the problems real? So there are definitely researchers who have shown proof of concept in the laboratory. Um, even in my own laboratory in Michigan, we've shown some proof of concept. I think the, the two main messages are, first of all, you don't need to run for the hills. There are risks, but you can mitigate many risks if you're smart. But on the other hand, I can confirm, I spend quite a bit of time going around the world teaching the engineers at medical device manufacturers how to improve the security engineering built into their products. There's some smart people there, but it's going to take a while for some of that security engineering to make its way into the products in the marketplace. So in the meantime, hospitals are going to be struggling with devices where maybe security wasn't included as part of the early requirements, and so they're going to have to find some other kinds of compensating control to, to manage those risks until they're able to procure the devices that at least can have any hope to be configured to be secure. And so what should hospitals and healthcare providers be doing right now while these medical devices are perhaps being designed in the future to be more secure? What are the main things that organizations fail to do that they should be doing right now? Number one, they need to apply appropriate pressure to their vendors, making sure the vendors realize they want security. And very specifically, what does that mean? Security is not a product. It's more of a property, just like you can't buy an ounce of safety, you can't buy an ounce of security to sprinkle it on your clinical systems. So you need to be able to describe it in some kind of property that can be measured and checked. For instance, maybe it's ensuring that operating systems are kept up to date uh, within a certain number of days of a vulnerability be becoming known. What hospitals can be doing, I think the number one thing, and this really starts more at the board level, is understanding your exposure to cybersecurity risk. I can't emphasize this enough. And it's so elementary, it's so simple, it's so easy for someone just to think, oh, I don't need to do that. But here's why it's important. If you don't know what you're protecting, there's no way you're going to be able to protect it. And what you often find in large institutions is that they have so much equipment and so many different interacting systems, it's just hard to keep track of it all. So the first thing a hospital needs to do is to understand its cybersecurity risk, assessing all that risk. The second thing is deploying appropriate compensating control. So for instance, if you have a product, let's say it's in an infusion pump that has known remote vulnerabilities and weaknesses in the system, then you better have some temporary compensating controls 
such that it doesn't get accidentally hooked up to the Internet. The problem with this approach is that the threats evolve over time. And so if you deploy a control today, in two weeks that control might not be effective anymore. And so that's why the third thing hospitals need to do is to continuously measure the effectiveness of their security controls. In other words, since the threats are changing, you need to see if whatever you deployed is actually still working. NIST actually publishes guidance from the federal government that talks about these three kinds of concepts, measuring your risk, deploying appropriate controls specific to those risks, and then continuously checking if those controls are, are being effective. It's very important that these all be aligned because if any of these three pillars are missing, you're probably just throwing technology at the wall in an ad hoc fashion, and you're, you're probably going to be rudely surprised when something doesn't work as you had hoped. And Kevin, going back to ransomware for a moment in medical devices, what sort of risk does ransomware pose to medical devices? Is it more of a risk if, for instance, an organization has a ransomware infection that, you know, this infection could possibly spread to medical devices? And how likely would medical devices be the actual target for something like that? It's hard for me to estimate on whether medical devices would be a target. I think the organized crime, they're very, very smart and talented, and they will work in a rational fashion uh, where it's economically motivated. They will go where the money is. And so you really have to ask the question, Will it be monetized? It's clear they've been able to monetize general ransomware. When it breaks into a computer, uh, unless you pay them, you're unable to get the decryption key. And really, this, this has been the number one risk I've been talking about uh, for about 10 years now. So back when the media and the TV shows were dramatizing sort of CSI-style hacking, I was sort of one of the few people saying, no, 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 that that is a problem, but the real issue is making sure that devices are available to deliver patient care. However, in the last 10 years, there wasn't a whole lot of malware that immediately disrupted patient care. What you'd often find is it might slow down patient care, they might have to take their machines down for a little bit, and it really wasn't until the last few months with ransomware where a a single piece of malware became so effective at disrupting continuity of operations. So now we're seeing entire hospitals being put on hiatus as they clean out their systems and verify that the ransomware is not spreading. Because if they don't, they have no assurances that the devices are going to operate safely. So ransomware, in me, is uh, a bit of a nightmare scenario because it, in just a matter of seconds, can, can make your system unavailable to deliver patient care. And it can also spread quickly if you weren't very careful about monitoring the effectiveness of your controls. So, for example, let's say you bought a firewall two years ago, and you think, great, I just spent money on a firewall. Everything's fine. Guess what? Malware works from the inside. You get someone who clicks on a link, and that malware spreads on your internal network. You've probably been putting a little bit too much faith in one technology without actually testing and probing it and measuring its uh, effectiveness. So in, in short, it's all about availability of and the ability to deliver patient care. It's not necessarily about targeting. It's just that when the malware gets in, it's hard to deliver patient care effectively and safely. And Kevin, to the hospitals that are dealing with these ransomware attacks right now, you made a good point that you got to make sure that it's all mitigated because you never know if it's going to, I guess, reappear. What should they be doing to make sure they're done with the ransomware if they've been infected? My own advice is that you're never going to be able to get rid of the malware. It's it's just like you're, you're never going to be able to completely cleanse your, your body of all viruses and bacteria. Instead, you learn to live with it. 
so I think hospitals need to switch their mindset from perimeter-based security, keep everything out, but then if something gets in, you're screwed. You, you want to move away from that perimeter-based security and complement that with a notion of intrusion tolerance. You want to make sure that your systems are survivable. You want to make sure that if one clinician accidentally is tricked into clicking on a malicious link, that it doesn't bring down the entire ICU. So that's why intrusion tolerance is, is hugely important, but you can't get there until you know your risks and you have the appropriate tools in place to measure the effectiveness of those controls. And finally, Kevin, Virta Labs recently received a $750,000 grant from the National Science Foundation's Small Business Innovation Research Program. Could you very, very briefly just tell us a little bit about what that grant means and what your company plans to do with it? So we had a small seedling grant to help us with a component-level system. We have a device that attaches to the power outlet of a medical device to help monitor for anomalies, things like malware or, or components wearing out. And what this new grant allows us to do is significantly accelerate our development, moving our product line to help the not just individual devices, but actually give a much more complete solution to the um, clinical environment on how to safely understand what risks are out there, what that risk, and more important, not only help the technicians who are sort of on the front lines of the hospitals, but also help inform the board in a high-level sense to understand where they are in terms of risk and, and how they compare to their peers. Thanks, Kevin. I've been speaking to Dr. Kevin Fu. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.